But I'm glad you're here today, and uh, I I hope that you're like I am that I that I think that God has uh, great plans, uh, not just in the sense of um, for us, but I think He has great plans even for our our whole generation. Um, I was talking; it's kind of interesting when I was up there. Um, we picked the sign up yesterday. And uh, I was there a little bit earlier than the, than the guys, so I, had to, I spent some time talking uh, to this Derek. And Derek goes to this Trinity Community Church, is uh, where we got the sign from. And uh, in the conversation, besides, uh, he greeted me at the door barefoot. No. Uh, and but there was reasons for it. And uh, matter of fact, he says I need to go barefoot, so I maybe may try that. So. Uh, um, I'm just going back, you know, like the disciples were, you know. And, no, but there, he was, his back bothered him, and he, he'd heard that if he just went barefoot, and he's found out that his back, he's, he's had a chronic back problem uh, for years, and he just goes barefoot everywhere he can now, and he's gotten rid of the back problem. So, whatever, all right? Uh you either got back problems, I see you walking around in the snow, and I, oh, all right, whatever. So, but anyway, uh, kind of interesting was this is how unique and small a world that we have. Uh, his name is Derek Bounty, but he uh, he was talking to me and he said, yeah, my uncle led me to the Lord and and uh, he's a good man. He really, and he said he'd written a couple books and I don't. And then he popped out the name John Mock. And uh, anybody that's been around here long, anybody know who John Mock is? All right. John Mock was the attorney that won our court case for us. And uh, so it was an interesting conversation that he had here, how um, just not only how small a world it is, but I think God has great plans. I, 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 I pray that you as an individual and as a family and we as a church wouldn't allow the uh, things of this world and, uh, you know, the determination even by a lot of Christianity that, uh, you know, everything's going south and that, that, that you know, God knows, God, the Lord Jesus is still on the throne. He, he's still there and He still has, uh, as the Bible, all the verses, all the promises of the Bible are good through all ages. And so I'm. If you're raising a family, if you're starting a home, if you're uh, wanting to see uh, God work in your life, His hand is just not shortened in any degree than it was back then. And uh, and I think even more so now. And one of the things I, that Derek brought up in that conversation with him was he thought the same way. He believed that God has raised us up to live in this age, and and he, and he was of inspiration that that the things that are happening or the things that we see for the Christian will lead to a, a more fruitful opportunities to reach the lost. And I appreciated that. I, I like I liked his outlook and that he had a a, a very God fearing and God honoring, God glorifying uh, spirit that was willing to say that God is working in our world. And He's working in our church. He's working in our midst. And I think that's why I think that there seems to be with people that that love the Lord and want to 
uh, want to serve the Lord, that there is this, uh, I think, a very uh, godly optimism that is not just optimism based upon, on, but based upon the Word of God. And so I, when I preach on revival and the necessities of things that we need to set our sail and say, Lord, uh, Garfield Ridge is raising the sails and families are raising the sails because uh, we know that you're interested in revival. When the revival winds begin to blow, we're going to be ready. We're going to be ready. We're going to say, God, we want to catch the wind of revival when you send it. And, and if it sweeps through uh, our area, we're going to be ready for whatever you have. Because you and I can't make revival happen. But we can set our sails. You understand? When God's wind of revival begins to blow, and it may blow in a very difficult and challenging time. And that's what I think if we look at our day and age, we can look at it and say, woe is us. Or we can say, no, this may present an opportunity for God to work. Remember 9-11? How many, how many remember 9-11? I remember the, the two weeks after 9-11. Remember that? Man, everybody was talking about God. God bless America and God this. and uh, Right? I mean, it was all about God. And, and uh, everybody was looking to God for two weeks. Alright? But listen, that's adversity. And listen, if adversity, and I went over this with, uh, with the young people downstairs. Faith, when you're living by faith, faith, I think, equals adversity. When you're living by faith, expect what? Adversity. Expect challenges to that. And when the more ad, and the more you say, well, I don't like faith because I don't like adversity. Get used to it. All right, that's the Christian life. You know, that's a, the preaching of the cross. And he says the the persecution that surrounds the preaching of the cross is always going to be there. But listen, the more faith you have, the more adversity that it produces. The more adversity that is produced, the more what. Faith you have. So understand that's a good thing. I mentioned this whole thing on trouble and uh, how valuable it is. And then you say, well, I want a life where there's no trouble. You joined, you joined the wrong club. All right? Christianity is all about adversity. All right? Living for the Lord Jesus is adversity. So today I want to just take a little bit of time to... Go over this idea, and I, I spend some time, and boy, I pray. Sometimes when I get stuck on something for a little while, I, I see people kind of grow, uh, you know, drowsing away. And but the idea that when I mention, I, I want this to be synonymous. When I talk about inspiration, I'm talking about what? What word should be synonymous with inspiration? Huh? Understanding. So then, understanding needs to be synonymous with what? With inspiration or wisdom. The idea that God is working in our midst means there's going to be God inspiring people. All right? God moving in people's life. That you get, and you think, well, and I use this illustration over and over, and, and uh, you try to explain something to somebody, and, and they're just not getting it. Me and my Debbie are on that page a lot, you know. You just don't understand, you know. I know you guys never get into, your husband and wife never get into, you don't understand. 
You know, you just don't understand. You know, ever had them shake their head at you like that? You just don't understand. You know, well, what do they mean? You, you don't know what's in my mind. If you knew what was in my mind, you wouldn't be like that. All right, you wouldn't think like that. You know, well, think of it in the same way that we need to get on the same page with the Lord. Understand what I'm saying? If God is saying that I ain't quit in this world, and the fields are still white under harvest, and if you're kind of moping around like God isn't around, I want you to get on the same page, alright? Quit that, alright? Stop that. I want you to get on the same page. So, but that requires what? Understanding. I gave you an illustration last week, and I hope you remember it. Where was, what book was that in? Spent a lot of time out of it. Job. I said, if you don't remember anything else out of Job, recognize chapter 32 of Job deals with this idea that... And Lehi wasn't very happy with Job, and he wasn't very happy with his three friends. And basically, Lehi had God's mind, God's heart, God's spirit, and if he wasn't very happy with Job and his three friends, guess what? Who else wasn't happy? God wasn't very happy. All right? Lehi had God's mind, and God said, You guys are older. You should have known, and you should have been able to help Job. I listened to what you had. Age should speak. Gray hair should say something. You didn't have it. I'm not very happy with you. And these guys, being older, and they knew Lehu was right, didn't they? They kind of go, okay. We, uh, we realize and that's just how effective. Now listen to me. That's just how effective when you're on the right page with God and you're trying to do God's work and you have God's mind and God's heart. Listen, we, we call that conviction, right? But listen, that's what, that's what the world needs to see. You, your kids need to see that you're living by faith. You're workers, the place where you work. You're not just kind of mumble-bumbling around uh, doing your church thing. You're living by faith. You've got God's mind. You're going someplace and God wants you to go. Well, that's understanding. That's not something... I, and I want to go through this... This uh, this thing with you today, I want you to, and I, I please don't bear with me because we're going to go, we're going to start in um, in uh, Luke chapter number ten, if you would. A little illustration that I think is important out of out of Luke. We're not going to stay there very long, but I want you to get it. Because if we're going to have our sales set, then we've really got to have that understanding that God wants us to have. And if it takes a little bit of time to realize how valuable it is, then so be it. We're going to take a little bit of time that you can, you can have. Luke chapter number 10. And if you'll stand, we're going to read a few verses, not many, but a few verses out of Luke chapter number 10. We're going to start in verse number 38. And the Bible says, Now it came to pass as they went, that he entered into a certain village, and a certain woman met him, Martha, and received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about 
much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her, therefore, that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. But one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. I ask, Lord Jesus, that you'd help me to be as much the example that is possible of the subject of matter today. And that, Father, that we would all strive to be that same example that you demonstrate in the Word of God. Lord, that we need to have your mind, your heart, your spirit. And I pray that, Father, that as we do, that, Lord, that if you will and if you wish, Father, that you could use us and your church here to be tools in your hand to reach people around us and to reach and encourage those that are among us. Father, that you have not slipped from your throne. And, Father, that you have great and glorious plans. That I have not seen, nor your heard, nor has entered the heart of man. Lord, help us to have that heart, that mind, that vision. In Jesus' name, Amen. You can have a seat. <clears throat> to give you a title, I've <clears throat> often spoken to my young family when they were. And almost a threat, I suppose. But I can remember saying at times, you better get this. You better get it. And they knew when I was referring to that I wasn't going to allow any more issues in a certain area. Here's something I think God wants us to get. And I think if we understand this, then... As much as we read the story this morning of Martha, when somebody repeats your name for twice, Martha, Martha, how he said it and the emphasis that he put on it, I'm not exactly sure. But it was more than just Martha, I'm getting your attention. They said, Martha, Martha. It's like, Martha, you should know this. Martha, you should get this. Martha, you should understand this. She came to him fully believing that somehow she was right and Mary was wrong. That she was on the same page with the Lord or maybe the Lord wasn't on the same page with her. She quickly understood that she was on the wrong page. The Lord was on the right page and the Mary, her sister. How many ever think that sometimes life is just very busy? Right? Man, you just got this to do and that to do, and this has got to be done. You got to go here, and you got to, and you got to deal with this, and this priority is there. Do you ever stop and think that maybe your priorities aren't the same as God's? Come on. You ever stop and think of that? And boy, all these things that you think are so valuable, 
God just kind of looks at it and says, really, you think that's valuable? Are you really measuring this according to the Word of God and what I've planned? Or are you just something you've kind of come up on your own? I don't know what the things that Martha were doing must be things that got to be done, right? Things that, I mean, they were hosting the Lord and there, maybe there was food that needed to be prepared and maybe there was some cleaning that needed to be done. Maybe there was some loose ends that needed to be tied up. I don't know. But they were probably somehow important. They didn't have the priority that the Lord wanted on them. And you think about it, we can go through life thinking we are on the same page with the Lord. Thinking we're on the same page. And when it's all said and done, and someday it will, so you're going to turn that page and this life's going to be over. And then you're going to stand before the Lord. And the Bible says we're going to give an account. How many of you want to say, I pray that I'm on the same page with the Lord. I pray that I just wasn't doing my own thing and thinking these priorities and these demands upon my life were the things that I need to be really be focused on. And you stand before God someday and say, wow, did I get that wrong? Wow, I put all this emphasis on this and earning a living and, and making a home or uh, my career, or this or that or the other, and you do all this effort. And God says, no. You didn't get it right. Sorry. That wasn't really what I the importance that you put on it. I know there's nobody in this room wants to have God say, No, I, I you didn't do it right. But I honestly believe there's a lot of folks in here that are doing that right now. I'm spending time on a message that I I can't you know, I you have to understand a pastor Sometimes that's why I look at this and I say, really, Lord, you want me to preach? I just talked about this last week. And I can't go on. I have to talk about it. Because I think there's some of us that are really cumbered and troubled about many things. And, and I'll be honest with you that what you're troubled and cumbered about really doesn't have much to do with the kingdom of God. It really isn't. You don't have the big picture in mind. And if you don't have the big picture in mind, guess what? There's going to be a uh, there's going to be a disappointment because God's will is not going to be accomplished, and you're never really ever going to be content with this life as much as Martha was. Proverbs chapter number 4, if you will. We're going to look at some verses together. Proverbs chapter number 4. It's interesting. I'm not going to give you the definition for wisdom, but I have my own personal understanding is just when you have wisdom, you're just you just kind of got all your ducks in order. You know the emphasis that you need to be put on things and, and the time you need to be put on things and what to say, when to say it, how to say it at times and, and where to put your money and where to, where to put the time. But look at verse number 7. 
He said, wisdom is the principal thing. This is chapter 4 of Proverbs, verse number 7. Therefore, what? <laughs> get wisdom. If it's the principal thing, then we need to get, I need to get on the same page with the Lord. And he, then he doesn't stop there. He says, get wisdom and with all thy getting, what? Understanding. See, there's, a, there's this, like this idea that God says you can have all the right ideas and all the right things, but you're not putting it together in the way that God wants you to. You're, not, you're basically not walking lockstep with the Lord Jesus. And so, just like those three friends of Job, they came to Him and they... And you know what? I don't know if you've read the book of Job. There's a lot of information from chapter 1 to chapter 32. And we could look at the things that all those three guys, and they didn't get that right. And they, you know, they said this to Job, and Job said this to them. And then they said this, and then Job said this, and they said this. And you say, well, man, if they didn't get it right, you've got to rip it all out and throw it away. No, it's not that they didn't. What they said wasn't right. Well, I'm making an emphasis here. God, God's Word is true. Whether it's their three friends, it just didn't apply to Job. It didn't help Job a lick. You say, why? They had wisdom. They just didn't have the understanding they needed to put it together and help Job. Now think with me. You may have a home and you may have children and you may be married. And if you ain't praying and seeking God's face the way, you may have got wisdom up here, but you don't know what to do with it. And so if you don't know what to do with it in your home, how are you going to help your church? How are you going to help your friends? How are you going to be able to accomplish? And that's why I emphasize this morning in this title, you better get it. I better get it. You only get one shot to do this thing right. Job's three friends had 30 chapters to get it right. And they had a lot of right things, but they didn't have it in the right order. And in one, two, three, I think two chapters, first of all, all of chapter two is dedicated to telling them why they didn't get it right. But then, you look at the rest of it, and I think it's less than five chapters, he gets it all together. This is what's wrong. This is what needs to be done. Where did he get that? Where did he get that? Turn to Proverbs chapter number 16. He says, with all thy getting, get what? Say with me. Get what? Get understanding. Chapter number 16. I wish to say that I wish I had always <clears throat> walked lockstep with the Lord Jesus. And maybe that's why at this point in my life I can turn around and say, boy, I wish looking back that I'd have had a better understanding that I needed as a father, as a pastor. I'd have saved myself, my family, my children, and even my grandchildren a lot of pain. Chapter number 16. Look how valuable this is. In verse 15, it says, The light 
of the king's countenance is what? Light. <laughs> the, the, the light of the king's counsel, uh, countenance is light. So you, you're basically looking into the face of who? The Lord. You're saying, God, now I've got all this wisdom. I've read your word. I've memorized it. I've I got this all the thing. But what do I do with it? How do I make it work? How do I make it work for my kids? How do I make it work for my family? That's why when you get up in the morning, there's not a Christian in here that shouldn't humbly say, God, if you don't help me today, I'm going to make a mess out of it. If you don't get up in the morning with fear and trepidation and say, Lord, here's a brand new day. I mean, I go to church and I've got ministry and I've got... I've learned Bible and I'm I'm trying to live by faith, but God, if you don't help me today, I'll make a mess. I need your help. I beg for your help. I beg for your guidance. I want your and don't let me make a word sweep out of my mouth. Don't let me think a thought that you haven't put there. Because you want to be like a lady. <laughs> He so knew what God needed to do. He so knew what those men needed to say. He so knew what Job's problem was. Where did he know that? Because God had taken that wisdom that he had and he put it all in the right place and all in the right order. And he says, this is what you need to do. I love when people live by faith. I love when people have conviction. I love when they know what they're doing and where they're going. Don't you? I mean, we're excited about that. We, you look at these people going to go to Egypt and say, wow, why would any man in their right mind want to go to Egypt? Because God told them to. Amen. <laughs> as simple as that. I can't do anything else but do what God said to do. Amen. Will your kids see you live like that? Boy, they ain't going to have to question whether they're going to pick the banner up and live for the Lord Jesus Christ. They don't know any difference. Say, man, this is what this is God is working in my life, working in my world, worked in my family, worked in my church. I can't deny the Lord Jesus Christ. It's reality. So when we look in verse 16, it's like his favor is as the cloud, as the latter rain. How? Much better, verse 16, is it to get wisdom than what? Gold. Oh, wow. Really? I don't know. We're really living on the same page with the Lord. He doesn't finish there. <clears throat> and to get understanding, rather to be chosen than what? Silver. One of the things that um, Dr. Jeremiah preached last Sunday night. <clears throat> and he said, made a statement about covetousness. You know, that that was a big problem. I honestly believe it's the number one problem. Outside, in, in, this, in our country. I'll be honest with you. That's, everything's guided by the buck today. It really is. If I can't, if, I, if money, I mean, that just sets the parameters for everything that we do. 
And, and what sets that? By what the world says is important. Is that, is that really... Do you see the overemphasis the Lord puts on money? He says, handle it correctly. But He doesn't put an emphasis on things, does He? Does He? The Bible said He had no place to lay His head. God took care of Him like they took care of the sparrows. But you and I know we're all focused on the what? We're focused on the money, aren't we? You think, you think maybe that could be interrupting what God wants to accomplish? How many think that might be a little bit involved in a problem in our homes? I know it is. And if we could get focused off of that and say, well, you know, we got to feed, we got to eat, got to have a little bit of a roof over our head, and we like a little heat in the wintertime, and Maybe we ain't wearing the best clothes in the world. Maybe we ain't driving the nicest car that there is to drive. But boy, we're focused on the things of God. We, we, we put our emphasis and our heart and mind on the things of God. I, 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 when he, uh, the preacher that was here Wednesday, if you didn't get a chance to come Wednesday night, you missed a blessing. Well, I, I said, mentioned this downstairs to the kid. One of the first things he, the first thing he said, almost the very first thing out of his mouth, was the first thing he said, why are you kind of looking at me like that? I'm so, he says, God, all you guys should do the same thing. Do you remember him saying that? I just, I just, boom, got a lot, hit me right in the heart. I said, wow, uh, he's so right. We kind of, wow, we got somebody going to Egypt. You, there's nobody in this room that if they put their ducks in order and said, you know, maybe God could use me in some way like that. Maybe I mean I got my I got my career. I got a, I got my I got my things that I got to do over here. Why don't you just say break out of that mold and say, "What's my ministry, Lord?" Maybe there's a world that's dying and going to hell. What am I doing with that, trying to work things out to make a difference? Maybe I can just throw off. Maybe I don't know, but. There's a, I can tell you a lot. There's a lot of things that can be done. But we're so, we're so tethered to all these other things that we think are important. He says, and I believe this verse is one of the key ones. Why don't you look with me? <clears throat> that path to understanding in Luke chapter number how do you, how do you, where do we get into that path? And I, I, the Lord brought some verses to mind and I believe that it's something that really answers the question. Luke chapter number seven, we're going to read a story that I always thought was, if you're like me, Kind of put a little question mark in my mind. In verse 36 of chapter 7, one of the Pharisees desired that he would eat with him. This is wanting the Lord to come to his house. And he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. And behold, a woman, and I think, uh, was it Jeremiah, brother Jeremiah, priest? 
I think talked on this. I'm, I may be wrong. Somebody just recently. What me? He says one and uh, got a page turned in. Behold, a woman in the city which was a sinner when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house brought an alabaster box of ointment and stood at his feet behind him weeping and began to wash his feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with ointment. And when the Pharisees which bidden, bidden him saw it, they spake within himself saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who, who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. Now, you know, he didn't say this openly, did he? He just said it in his heart. In verse 40, And Jesus answering said unto him, Simon. <laughs> Wait a minute, he didn't verbally say anything. He just answered his conscience. Simon answered and said, or I'm sorry, and said, uh, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he says, Say it. Master, say on. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors, which owed him 500 pence and the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, frankly, forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will he love him the most? Simon answered and said, And I suppose that he that whom gave the most he says unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, Seest this thou woman entered into thine house, and thou gavest me no water for my feet, but she hath washed me with, feet of, with her tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman since the time I came in hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, Her sins, which are many, are forgiven. She loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he said unto her, Thy sins are forgiven. And they that sat at meat with him began to say within themselves, Who is this that forgiveth sins also? And he said to the woman, Thy faith has saved thee. Go in peace. Now, the point I want to make out of what we just read, and this is the question that always popped into my mind. Well, that's not fair. I mean, why should she have more sins forgiven and then she appreciate the Lord more? I mean, that's not fair. Here's the catch. <clears throat> She knew what she was. Right? She knew what she'd been. And she was all in for the Lord. And when I say all in, she loved Him with everything she had. Right? How many agree with me? Everything I got, you got, Lord. Now you go back and you know the you know the greatest commandment, and then the second is like and I did. The greatest commandment is what? I'm going to love the Lord with all my heart, soul, strength, and all my mind. And the Bible says also you understand it. So why could not this Pharisee do the same with this woman? Why? 
The answer isn't that she sinned more than he. Alright? I want you to understand, that's not the answer. The answer is they sinned equally against the Lord. The problem is that she's seen hers. He didn't see his. You got that? And you say, why is that important? The path to understanding is love. If you don't love the Lord, then you have no desire. There's, there's not going to be a desire to serve God. And listen, the second commandment is likened unto that, that thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And if we're supposed to reach our world and, and be what we need to be for one another and go way out of our way to do things that God wants us to do, have His mind, His heart, His spirit, then we've got to love Him a whole bunch. And the only way we're going to start on this path to understanding is we've got to get dig down and we've got to take a real good assessment of our life the way we need to. Because I'll be honest with you, the next point I'm going to make is to understand and crave the Word of God. Remember where, remember where Mary wanted to be? Come on. Where'd Mary want to be? I want to be right where Jesus is. I want to hear everything that He has to say. And where in the world did this woman want to be that came in with the alabaster box? Oh, I want to get as close to the Lord as I can. And listen, this book, the Bible says in the Matthew chapter 5, we're to hunger and thirst for righteousness. I mean, I want to, I want to find my sin. I want to find where I'm missing the mark. I want to not just take all this wisdom. God, I want you to put it in order so that I can use it effectively and accomplish something that you want in my life. If it doesn't happen, Guess what? Then there's going to be real problems. And I'll be honest with you. Take a good look at the people around you. Because if you don't love God like that, you won't stick in this church. You know, you're going to diss the people on the right and on the left. Because you don't love them. The main thing you care about is, right? How do I feel? How do I think? What's going on with me? How are people treating me? Right? It's all about me. It ain't about you. It's about the Lord Jesus and what He's done for you. Forget about yourself. Think about what God has done for you. And when you say, wow, I don't deserve anything that God I don't deserve He's sucking the air that I'm breathing. I don't believe that you get down and you see a nice spread that your wife puts on the table and you say, wow, it may be peanut butter sandwiches, but praise God, I don't deserve that. I didn't say jelly. All right. I need a little help. Second thing, you've got to have the Word. You know, when you when you when you get to that place, you see what you are, what you really are. 
and say, God did, God did that for me. God died for me. The Lord keeps working with me. I tried to get this across to the kids this morning. I said, God has put in your life teachers, mentors, and encouragers. I think the third point I made. That's your mom and dad. That's your pastor. That's, that's teachers, blah, blah, blah. And I said, one thing that you'll always say, man, I don't deserve those good people God has put in my life. I don't deserve those people. And when you start doing that and you say, mom talks to you, dad tries to encourage you, or whatever, and you come and say, man, I appreciate you, mom and dad. And I, I'm, I'm glad you're still dealing with me and still trying to make me what I should be. And Lord, and I, please forgive me for being a clown and lying or stealing or or uh, being disobedient and I, I'm going to really work at being a better son or better daughter. You know, that's really the way we are with the Lord. And we, we crave. And your kids should crave when they're right with God. They'll crave to be what you want them to be. Any teacher <clears throat> understands their average student is there because they're required to be there. Every teacher knows that. They're not here because you're a glorious teacher. They're here because they're required to be there. But once in a great while, I've never been a formal educator except here in the, this, this circumstance. But I bet <clears throat> Paula, I know my wife would, would back this up. Boy, they're once in a while. Once in a great while, you'll find that one kid you can't give them enough. Right, Paul? There's just once in a while. There's just that one that comes out and says, I like what you're doing. I, li- I like your class. I like what you're teaching. I think you're a great teacher. And I just enjoy being here. And they do more than they should. And, they, and they're and they there on time. And they're last to leave. And they get their work in. And, they're, and, they're, and, and, and they encourage you. And they encourage the rest of the people around them. Really, that's that's an example to me. It's rare, but that's an example to me that somebody really loves the Lord. <laughs> and when you get somebody that just can't, they just can't do enough. Last thing I'm going to give you this morning. The path to understanding is not only is love, it's a craving of the Word. But let me give you one more. The path to understanding is not academic, but it's a gift. Understand that. When that, what you're asking the Lord for is not what the average person is going to give when, when you when you think about it, and I and I know this, I, I'm doing some instructing work, and once in a, once in a blue moon we we'll have somebody come in and they and they really want what you're teaching, and they really want to get, and they want to be a good officer, and they want to get all the procedures, and they want to get all this down. And what you have a tendency to do is there's all these other people in the class, but what you want to do is just teach this one. Okay, man, I want to teach this one person because they really want it and I want to give it to them. I'll be honest with you. They do get more from the teacher. Because that teacher says, well, I'm gonna, if they want more, I'm going to give them more. 
I'm going to supply more. I'm going to provide more. Well, you know, that's why the path to understanding is something. Turn with me to this book of Psalms 119. We're going to close on all the verses out of the book of Psalms because Psalm 119 really kind of summarizes what I want to finish on. It's a gift. This understanding that I'm talking about this morning is not something generic, not something academic, not something you got from Bible college or because you went to a special study. It's that you sat at the feet of Jesus. That you took time and the Lord fasting and praying and in His Word and Look at me the first verse in verse 27. <clears throat> Begins in verse 25. He says, My cloth, my soul cleaveth unto the, unto the dust. Quicken thou me according to thy word. Verse 26. I've declared my ways, and thou heardest me, and teach me thy statutes. That means I think he dug down and found out where the things were that weren't what they should be. And then in verse 27, he says, Make me to understand the ways of thy priesthood. Who's going to make him? Who? He says, Make me. He says, I know I ain't got what I need. He says, Make me uh, uh, to understand the ways of thy priesthood. So shall I talk of all thy wonders. Why? been directly talked to, communicated, taught the things that you need by God. That's why a lady was filled with I'm filled with the matter. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm like a, I'm like a vessel that's going to blow up. Because God had taught him. Look at verse 34. He says, give me one understanding and I shall keep thy law. Yea, I shall observe it with what? Oh, wow. Love God with how much? your heart? All your heart. Psalm 119.73 Thy hands have made me and fashioned me. Give me understanding that I may what? Now what I'm saying, I'm going back to the last point I'm making. Not only you need to love the Lord because you know what you really are. Secondly, you begin to crave the Word of God like you've never craved it before. Hungering, knowing that God wants to give you more than academic. God wants to give you a personal understanding. And three, this academic understanding that God is, is not an academic understanding as it mentions here in verse 73. Thy hands have made me in fashion. God, don't stop. You've made me personally. You've you made me and built me the way I am. Give me understanding that I may learn thy commandments. Not just academic. Psalm 119.125. I am thy servant. Give me understanding that I may know thy testimonies. And 144. The righteousness. Now listen to this. 144. This is still in Psalm 119. Thy righteousness of thy testimonies is everlasting. Give me understanding, and I shall what? Live. 
I don't want that run-of-the-mill righteousness. I want that righteousness that comes down from heaven. Last one. Last one. 169. My soul... Let my cry come near before the O Lord. Basically, he's saying what? I, I want something from you. Let my cry come near before the O Lord. Give me understanding according to thy word. I can't live unless you show me, Lord. I know, as I finish this up, I know there's some people in here that do you really think that's possible? You know, is there really any more to Christianity than what I've got already? Paul's alive. Do you see it often? Is it possible? Is it possible? I know, I know it's possible. It's not God that's stopping it. When we understand just how rotten a person lives, yet God still loves us and died for us. Still working on us. Secondly, gave us this book. Not just a casual read in the morning, but listen, it's your book. It's your life book. Memorize it and you study it. I wish I could take all the verses. Literally hundreds of verses that deal with this thing. All I'm trying to do is wet that hunger just a little bit. And to believe that God could do a miracle yet today. Change your life so radically that you're going to be like Lehu. You're going to be excited about God, about God's work, about His Word. You're going to be excited about His people. You won't be ho-hum. Coming to church won't be ho-hum. Serving the ministry won't be ho-hum. Raising your kids for the Lord won't be ho-hum. Having a home won't be ho-hum. Man, throwing out the priority and saying, you know what, I really don't think that, that's not necessary. That ain't going to mean nothing in the long run. I'm going to readjust my, my living expenses. I'm going to readjust what I have to do so I can put my focus on the things of God. And you know what? The happiest people around. Well, I'm proud with everybody else God. You're happy about it. You're serving God and you're involved. You're so happy about it. Some of you got this grim I'm not really happy to be a Christian. Just don't get in my path, right? Once you let God put a smile on your face, and I'm the greatest thing that ever happened in my life. Let's close the door. Let's stay Father, we thank you. I believe that I know I better get it. I have 